Here we are now with episode number 19, or chapter number 19, as we've been calling them chapters rather than episodes. Call it what you will, this chapter episode is called Passionate Equanimity. And where are we up to in our plot? Well, they've just come back from Germany. And they've just realized, Trey and Ken, that the chemotherapy that Dr. Sheaf was planning for them isn't going to work. So they take a new approach, a new method, and this method is called the Kelly Gonzalez program. It's an alternative method. And this program is based on the simple premise that digestive enzymes dissolve all the organic tissues, including tumors. And essentially, an enzyme, en- enzymes are proteins that act as biological catalysts, which accelerate chemical reactions. So the, mon- the molecules in which enzymes act upon are called, well, they're called substrates, and the enzymes convert substrates into different molecules, which make these things called products. And this is really technical, but basically it's just stuff in your body that makes things happen. They're the proteins that make things happen within the cells of your body. So if you have a large number of pancreatic enzyme pills pumped into your system, in conjunction with diet and vitamins and coffee enemas and other standards of alternative health practices, then you can dissolve tumors. You can dissolve the cancer. And it's not some Mexican fly-by-the-night sort of clinic like, oh, we're going to cross our fingers, say a few prayers and hope for the best. No, this is actually by a trained physician who's trying a very promising alternative approach to cancer management. And they fully comply with the laws of medicine in the United States. So it's still scientific. We're still in the realm of scientific empiricism. We're just essentially off the mainstream, which is radiotherapy, chemotherapy. Now, Treya, at this stage, she has 40 lung tumors, three brain tumors, and at least two liver tumors with possible lymph involvement. And the crucial score on the Gonzalez test is rather than the sum total of how many tumors you have, but what sort of activity they have. And in his system, Dr. Gonzalez... He has a scale of 0 to 50. So anything of 45 or above, you're incurable or terminal. And Treya's score is 38. So it's very high, but not outside the range of possible benefit. And even it's not outside the range of possible remission. 
that when the system, the Gonzalez program, is working, it creates changes in the body that are, it creates changes in the in the tumors that are actually. Well, this is this is quite important to understand. This is probably one of the biggest points to understand about the difference between the Gonzalez method and the mainstream method, which is that when it's working, it's indistinguishable from cancer growth. So the enzymes affect the tumors in such a way that the tumors actually grow and get bigger. And yet this is a good thing in this system because it means the activity is burning off the tumor. Now, when you go back to your standard medicine and you have your CAT scan, well, then you put your tumor under a CAT scan and it shows that it's grown. And you think, oh my goodness, it's growing. You're almost going, you should be almost dead. And yet on the Gonzalez side of the equation, it's, well, we're not measuring how big a tumor is and we're not even counting how many tumors you've got. We're talking about the activity. And when a tumor dies, it actually expands in size right before it dies. And this is something we come back to again and again during this program that Treya and Ken are on. Well, Treya's on it. Ken's helping. And Treya reflects on herself, of course, as always. She goes into her self-knowledge and she comes up with this phrase, passionate equanimity. And she's sort of pondering to herself, like, what if you had passion without attachment? Passion which was clean and pure. What would that be like? What would that mean? What about in those moments of meditation when your heart is open and a painfully wonderful sensation, a passionate feeling comes up, but without the clinging to any concrete thing or person? Or content. And passion, well, passion is a word that is actually one of the pillars of Christianity. So you say the passion of Christ, that's Christ dying on the cross. And what's happening there is, well, I believe in truth, I believe in God, and you can kill me and it wouldn't make a difference. That's the passion there. That's the passion of Christ. It's, it's I am God, and it doesn't matter if you nail me to the cross. My passion is unwavering, unbreaking, because I'm so passionate that there's nothing more. Even torture and death cannot outweigh that power of that passion. So that's where the word passion is used in a spiritual context. And then equanimity, well, that's the Buddhist term. Remain equanimous. If you've ever done a Vipassana retreat with S.N. Goenka, that's one of his phrases. You, you remain equanimous. Equanimity. Equanimity. And that is, well, the Buddhist sitting calm and quietly while the whole world burns. And it's not as if the Buddhist is 
not participating in the burning of the world, of, the, of this hell that we're living in. No, very much not the case, because actually the, the Buddhist or the enlightened Buddha is aware of how much hell this world is in. And they're still working calmly and equanimously to bring other sentient beings out of suffering. So Buddhism is not a closing from the world. It's not an unawareness. It's actually a stepping into an awareness of the hell that we're in and yet remaining equanimous. That's why equanimity in Buddhism is such a... uh, uh, It's so important. It's a foundational concept. Because when you meditate and you become more aware... You go into the world more. You feel more. You encounter more suffering. You encounter more pain. Not only your own, that's just the beginning, but also others. The deeper you get into compassion, the more you feel the pain of others. And that's why equanimity is something that is taught in Buddhism as something you carry along the entire path. You carry it the whole way, right from your very first day of Vipassana 101 all the way through to you are the next Gautama Gautama Buddha. So passion from Christianity and equanimity from Buddhism. And these are two of the religions of many, which, well, Treya has been discussing and Ken has been using as examples in his explanations of the perennial philosophy. So they get on this program and it's pretty hardcore. She's taking pills seven times a day outside of meal times in order to pump herself full of enzymes. Not only this, but at mealtimes, she's also taking up to 30 pills to get her vitamins up to check and everything working. Then she's also got her diabetic stuff. There's also dietary components. So she has to be basically, well, I mean, it's such a, it's such a complicated routine that she's now on because Everything is meticulously designed so that she can have the enzymes on an empty stomach, have them digest into the bloodstream, then have her next meal, digest her meal and her vitamins, and then empty out that stomach in order to have enough time to take the next round of enzymes so that by the time it's gone in, it's the right time for her then to eat again. So if she's taking it seven times a day, it's got to be perfectly timed. All of her meals have got to be perfectly timed. And she's, she's taking over 150 pills. Huge amount of pills. And Ken, well, he's helping out with all this. He's doing the cleaning. He's doing laundry. He's doing groceries. He's preparing meals. And that takes quite a lot because a lot of the meals are, well, they're raw food. 
and raw food can be quite difficult to prepare. You'll be surprised when you're juicing. So one of the ways you can get, when, when you're eating a lot of raw vegetable food, you actually get, you actually have to have a lot. And if you've ever tried this, it's really difficult. To live only on micronutrients, it's really difficult to get enough mass into you. And essentially the only way to do that is to juice it. So you have condensed vegetables by putting them through the juicer, the grinder, and it comes out into this, well, I guess it's like a a thick shake, but it's not not ice cream and it's not sweet. (laughs) But to do that, well, you've got to clean your fruit, you've got to chop them up, you've got to grind them up, and that takes a lot of time. Ken is helping out with all sorts of things at this stage. Basically, what Ken's doing is, well, he wakes up at 5 a.m. He has a few hours of meditation. And then he starts his day as a full-time, non-stop carer for Treya. And there's a lot that she can't do because when the enzymes are pumping through her, she's very tired. So it has an effect on her mood. And she's still sweet, she's still joyous, but she just doesn't have physical energy. So Ken is working to support her, to make sure everything runs smoothly, that she doesn't forget anything, that things are timed well. It's it's non-stop, hands-on, unconditional support from Ken at this stage. And it's really important that Trey has that. It's almost it would be almost impossible. Well, I can't imagine how it would be possible for yeah, like I it would it, it, I'm pretty confident to say it would be impossible for Treya to do this program without Ken. She'd have to hire someone or have a have a nurse, like a full-time nurse. She she's also allowed coffee. That's another interesting part of this routine that she has is that there's coffee enema, which is a, as a dosage, but she's actually also allowed coffee, which helps to activate her digestive system in a certain way. And this goes on for 10 days straight. So that's a lot of pills. That's a lot of strict dieting. And then after that, well, the pill schedule relaxes a little bit in the enzyme department. She's still taking all her vitamins and her diet is still quite strict. But there's a little bit of a relaxing for five days and then she starts up again. So that's quite intense. It's quite a lot to get through. And Treya, well, she can only swallow one pill at, at a time. So she's spending a lot of time taking pills. It's a large portion of her day. And she's also still doing some art. She's doing meditation. She's reading. She's, she's writing letters. She's writing in her journal. So she has pastimes. But really the mental capacity of what she's doing every day has to be carefully tracked 
He has to, she has to be using her mental capacity to being to be aware of what's next always, what's happening, what's next. We have to be really on track with things. And Treya, well, she shares this with her friends in a way of a group letter. And she's got to a bit of a habit of writing out this group newsletter, sort of like the Treya newsletter of sending out information to all of her friends because there's so many. She wants them to be up to date with where she's at in her journey. And so she writes this down and she explains it to her friends. And another thing that's in, well, one of her recent letters is she mentions this friend of hers that had sent something to her. And this was quite significant to Treya. And it was to do with, well, how she feels about God and what it means to surrender and to be open to the majesty of life and the mystery of existence. And this friend said to Treya that, you know, I sort of hate to say this, but I wouldn't have found these depths within me but for this cancer. Almost like it set my destiny in motion. And this really blew Trey away because it has a tremendous power and beauty to it. It means that there's something of extraordinary worth to having cancer. Not that she would wish it on anyone or anything like that. But there's an extreme positive side, which is that it's opened her up to a deeper connection with reality and with God. And Treya is, well, she's still very optimistic. She's still very joyous. She's still at ease. She's still equanimous. And she carries this passionate equanimity into this program with her that she's doing, the Gonzalez program. And she realizes that at this stage, she hasn't yet had to deal with pain or impaired functioning of any kind. And she does wonder, well, how brave am I going to be and how accepting of God am I going to be when or if that happens? And that's a big one. Those are two big ones, like pain. Well, that is quite big. A doctor comes to you and says, well, you've got 40 tumors all through you. Well, that's one thing. But if you feel terrible, if you feel bad, if you feel excruciating pain, well, that's very different. It doesn't matter what the doctor says in that situation. And as, in, as, as, as it far as it goes for impaired movement, well, because of the complications with diabetes as well, this is a, she is at great risk of this. Might be that she can't use her hands. Might be the, the, the veins and the blood vessels die off. Might be that she can't move her arms, she can't move her legs. Might be that she loses her eyesight because of the brain tumours. It might, it might be that her lungs stop working and she needs to be put on a respirator. 
She needs to be put on life support. These are all things that are just creeping just around the corner. These are things that could happen at any moment at this stage for Treya. And she discusses some of these at various lengths in her letter to her friends. And she says, well, I include all these details about tests and confusing results and conflicting opinions and difficult choices and the things that could go wrong, not because the numbers or the results or the choices that she's made are really of that significance or the details are of that much of a significance to her at this stage. It's just that it brings alive the story more than general comments like living with cancer is an emotional roller coaster or treatment choices are, are difficult or we can't plan past next week or this will go on and on until the end. So these these sort of phrases she's saying how do we how do we express what we're going through? How does she really say what she's going through? And you you can just say, well, living with cancer is an emo, emotional roller coaster. Uh, it sounds so boring. Okay. So it's a, an emotional roller coaster. Well, what does that mean? Bring some life to it. Really express how you're feeling. Really say how you're feeling. Really illustrate what's going on for you. And describe things about the conflicting reports of, oh, well, tumors actually expand when they die, which means they show up on the CAT scan as growing rather than dying. And... This is just another testament to Treya's self-knowledge and her ability to communicate what she's learnt along the way. And Ken asks her, well, if things get really bad, will you keep sending these letters? Will you keep updating everybody with how you're going? And she says, yes, of course. So she feels that writing and expressing herself is a way of, well, it's helping her. It's therapeutic in a way. And also, of course, she says that it's, it's helping others because these distinctions, they're quite hard to recognize within yourself. And there are many people that Treya is friends with now because of the organizations that she's in that have cancer themselves or have been affected by someone with cancer. These words are very helpful for people to hear. And how Ken feels about all this? Well, He's a trained biochemist, and he tries to think through what Dr. Gonzalez is saying and why there are so many conflicting reports. And he says that what Dr. Gonzalez saying, says is, well, it actually makes sense. When tumors dissolve, they do release the same types of waste products as tumor growth. 
and the orthodox tests can't easily differentiate them. And then he gets to thinking, well, what if he's just leading us on? Have you thought about that? Have you ever, now this is something to consider, have you ever considered that the alternative doctor is just leading you on? But Ken thinks this through and he says, well, hang on a second. Gonzalez charges a flat fee up front. So Treyer, whether Treyer lives or dies, he's already been paid. So that can't be the motive. Okay, well, what about, what about if Gonzalez is just wrong and he doesn't know it? And Treyer even asks him this. Treyer says, what if you are wrong? And we decide, orthodox, we, we, de- we decline, so they don't do the orthodox treatment based on his recommendation. And then she dies. And Treyer says, can't my family sue the daylights out of you? And he says, yes, they can. And Ken thinks this through some more and he realizes, well, Gonzalez has his own reputation to think of. He's got his only he's got his own career to think of. And from what they can tell from outside sources, about 70% of patients either get better or stabilize with this guy. And the files are open to qualified researchers. So it's not like they're going off into the corners. They're not going down into the the dark black market of cancer treatment. And it's around this time that, well, Ken, he starts to think that this is so crazy that it actually might work. And Treya begins to think the same. Now, neither of them really let themselves believe it at this point. But it's a, it's a growing thought that actually this might work. And they go away for a bit. They spend some time in Aspen. And that is just a place where Treya has felt so much beauty. And as she drives over, she even starts to cry at how beautiful Independence Pass is. And then the next day, when she goes to her meditation cabin, she cries again, simply at the beauty of the sun shining through the leaves. And neither of those moments would have happened for her if she hadn't have been aware that she might not be around to see these things next year. And Ken, well, he goes with her for some time, but he also takes off to do a quick meditation retreat. And it turned out to be a Buddhist retreat, which was actually very rare. And it was quite a... Quite a... How do we say? Quite a unique opportunity for him to go on that retreat. And he learnt quite a lot. But... That was a good thing for him to do, and he came back refreshed. He came back very much, well, he became back more equanimous with his role, more alert, more aware, more sensitive. So they have got some time to keep replenishing themselves, to keep healing, to keep stocking up on their consciousness and their soul. And after this trip, well, they get back and they do another blood sample, another test with Dr. Gonzalez. 
for yet another analysis and the results come back and it turns out that Treya has dropped another five points on her score. And Gonzalez himself couldn't believe it. He was so astonished by this result and he had the lub run it twice and they got the same result. And this means that, well, from a beginning point of 38, she's now down to 28 in a mere two and a half months. So according to Dr. Gonzalez, these enzymes are working very well. They are starting to really work incredibly well. And this means, well, she might actually make it. You hear that? She's going to live. She might actually pull all the way through and live a much longer life. And that is the end of this chapter. And we'll be back very soon with the next chapter. And that's all I have to say for now.